Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. This weekend, our students, as Justin indicated, have been part of Disciple Now. This is an intense weekend of discipleship and growth. Um, I participated in my first Disciple Now when I was a junior in high school. That was just a couple of years ago. But it was out of that weekend that the Lord called me into the ministry. I, I believe in Disciple Nows. They're important. And I know that um, out of this Disciple Now, the Lord is going to do some great things within our student ministry. The theme for this weekend is Convergence. Two paths, choose one. And this, our students have been studying the life of David this week. And to continue that study this morning, we're going to be looking at the story of David and Goliath found in 1 Samuel 17. This is a story that every single one of us know, and all of us know the outcome of it, right? We know that David is going to slay the giant in our story, and he's going to become a national war hero. So you may be asking, why are we going to be studying something that we all know the outcome of? Here's why. Because sometimes we need to return to the battlefield, don't we? To be reminded of what happened. Some of you in this room, man, you love history. And you love studying key battles throughout human history. You love visiting the battlefields and walking those battlefields and envisioning what it would have been like to have been part of that battle. You think strategically as you walk those battlefields. You think to yourself, here is what worked. Here is what didn't work. Here is where the death blow was delivered. Well, this morning we're going to do that very thing. We're going to return to the valley of Elah and imagine what David experienced. What we know is that David was the youngest of Jesse's sons. He was the youngest of eight brothers. He was anointed as the second king of Israel by Samuel. He was small in stature, but God didn't care about his stature because what was God concerned about with the future king of Israel? The heart, right? I can just imagine that day when Samuel arrived and lined up all of Jesse's sons. We get the impression that he looked upon each one and he saw in front of him the future king. He saw handsome men. He saw strong men. He, he saw the makeup of a mighty warrior as well as a future king. Well, Samuel looks at all of these young men and he thinks again, the future king is standing before him. But notice what the Lord told Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Because the future king was not standing before him, what does Samuel do? He turns to Jesse and he says, is this all of your sons? And Jesse's like, nah, well, there's the little runt of the family kind of out taking care of the sheep. He almost apologetically speaks of David. And so what do we see here in 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 12? Jesse says, it remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him. For we will not sit down till he comes here. Then he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. 
for this is he. So right there on the spot, David was anointed as the next king of Israel. But we know it would still be years before he would assume the throne. Within our story this morning, the Philistines are going to challenge the Israelites to a one-on-one battle. It would be a winner-take-all kind of battle. There would be the very best of the Philistines, Goliath, against whoever Israel determined was their very best. It's important to recognize that the Israelites, they had a defeatist attitude, didn't they? They had, they had um, not even gone to battle and they had already seen themselves as losers. Every single day, you and I face giants, don't we? A giant is something that looms large in our lives. What kind of giant are you facing this morning? Maybe a medical diagnosis. It may be a marital problem. Maybe it's a family crisis, or you're dealing with a bully at work. Maybe you're dealing with some financial struggles. Know this, no matter what that giant is, let me challenge you in the name of Jesus to give that giant over to the Lord. Don't try to defeat the giant on your own. Give your giant over to God the Father and ask him to give you the strength you need to overcome it. And that's exactly what we see with David this morning. Notice our first point. The Philistines were ready to attack. So let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 11 with this first point. We read, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Socha, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Socha and Azekah and Ephes Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in line a battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. Then his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And then drop down to verse 16, we read, For forty days the Philistines came forward and took his stand morning and evening. I mean, think about that. For forty days, Goliath would go out every single day and challenge any man from Israel to a fight. Now, the Goliath was no ordinary man. To, to kind of get an idea of how just how tall he was. I know Scripture tells us in cubits, but he was about nine feet, nine inches tall. 
His body armor weighed about 125 pounds, and the tip of his sword alone weighed 17 pounds. This was no man. This was a beast, right? And this beast, for 40 days and nights, challenged any man from Israel to a battle. In verse 8, Goliath cries out, am I not a Philistine? Translated for the Hebrew, it means, am I not the Philistine? He's saying, am I not the baddest man in all of the land? And he's challenging the Israelites. Now, how many of you would have accepted that challenge? Anybody? I mean, think about it. Nine feet, nine inches tall. My, the tip of my finger right now is about eight feet tall, Okay. So imagine adding about two feet to this. That's how tall Goliath was. Probably none of us in this room would have accepted that challenge, right? What kind of giants this morning are you facing in your life? What problems are you experiencing today that may be leaving you paralyzed with fear? Max Lucado writes, Your Goliath doesn't carry sword or shield. He brandishes blades of unemployment abandonment, sexual abuse, or depression. Your giant doesn't parade up and down the hills of Elah. He prances through your office, your bedroom, and your classroom. He brings bills you can't pay, grades you can't make, people you can't please, whiskey you can't resist, pornography you can't refuse, a career you can't escape, a past you can't shape, and a future you can't face. We all face giants. And we all can live in fear of our giants, or we can face our giants and give our giants over to the Lord. Notice next, David realizes that the Israelites were ready to run. God's people, his chosen people, they are not fighting Goliath, but they are running from him. For David, this was beyond unacceptable, right? When we are first introduced to David in this story, he is not much of a hero, is he? In fact, we see in in verses 12 through 15 what David was doing as the battle was going on. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judea named Jesse, who had eight sons. In those days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to battle, and the names of his sons were who went to the battle with Eliab, the firstborn, and the next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Yes, David is the future king of Israel, but in our story this morning, he appears as nothing more than an errand boy of his father's. David may have been a runt of a man, but he had a warrior's heart. And when he arrives on the battlefield, he wants a war report, doesn't he? I can envision him going up to his brothers and asking questions like these. How many Philistines have you slayed? How much land have you conquered? Tell me, how is God moving amongst his people right now? And while he's talking to his brothers, Goliath makes one of his daily rounds. And in verses 23 through 24, we read, As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, as David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. Those words that David heard were not words that shocked him, or caused him to run and flee like the rest of the Israelites, were they? 
David begins to ask who that uncircumcised Philistine was. He wants to know who that unbeliever was that was challenging the army of the living God. I love what David does. David brings God into the battle, doesn't he? He brings God into the conversation. God is the difference maker in this story this morning. He is the true champion. David was not the difference maker. He was the agent that God would use. Notice, notice this truth here. We can see our giants being bigger than God or God being bigger than our giants. The choice is up to us. But the reality is this. No matter what our opinion is, God is bigger than our giants, isn't he? We must learn to trust him and in order to defeat them. David recognizes that no giant was bigger than God. Again, in verse 26, we read, And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine, then takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Upon hearing of David's inquiry, Saul wants to have a word with David. And we see here um, in verses 31 through 33, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Saul, what does Saul see? Man, he sees this five foot nothing of a teenager. And, and he wants to know how in the world this young little boy is going to defeat that mighty giant of a man. But what does David do? David goes on and he lists what qualifies him for the battle. Notice verses 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. This five-foot nothing of a man lists his qualifications. What qualified him? He defeated both bears and lions, right? That's qualification enough. But that isn't the only thing that qualified him. David, what does he do? do? David makes it clear that the Lord would deliver him from that giant. David knew that God, Goliath was not God's man. David knew that he was God's man. You and I face giants every single day. But how often do we go to battle with them on our own? How often do we try to defeat our giants living independent of God instead of relying upon the strength of the Lord? If you're like me, way too often, right? Way too often. Next we see here, unlike Saul and the rest of the Israelites, David was ready to fight. Here's the crazy thing about this story. Saul was the king, wasn't he? And Saul, if you look back on his military career, 
He was an incredible warrior. One day the people of Israel will shout out that Saul had killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Thousands of people died under the military command of Saul. That tells you what kind of a warrior of a man he was. So why did he not go out and take on Goliath? Because he, like the rest of the Israelites, he was scared. He was afraid. And because of his fear, the nation of Israel, God's army, they too were afraid. Because we seem to, to model our leaders. If, if However they lead, we follow. If they're scared, a lot of times their men and army are scared as well. But David was not afraid. In verse 40, we read of David. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Goliath must have been thinking, finally, after 40 days, someone is ready to fight me. And in verse 41, Goliath approached David with his shield bearer going before him. And when he looked at David, he had disdain for David because of his youth. Notice verses 43 through 44. This is what Goliath says. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Goliath was like, Bring it on, little boy, wasn't he? I will tear you apart and I'll give your flesh over to those birds. In a matter of moments, it was probably his thought that all of Israel was going to fall before him and Goliath was going to return to um, to his homeland, a national war hero. Continue reading with me. Notice how David responds to Goliath. In verses 45 through 47, we read, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I, will give you the, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into our hand. Once again, whose name does David invoke here? He invokes the name of the living God, doesn't he? It's not his own. In the name of the Lord God, and by the name of the Lord God, David makes it clear to Goliath that he was going to die right there on the battlefield. I love what Brian Bills says. He says this, David refers to God nine times in this passage compared to only two times for Goliath. We would experience much more victory if our God thoughts would outnumber our Goliath thoughts four to one. This week, try to think about God four times as much as you think about your problems. David would give credit where credit was due. In the end, we know that this was not a fair fight, was it? Yes, in one corner was, was Goliath standing nine feet, nine inches tall. Yes, he probably weighed a couple hundred more pounds than, than, than David. And, and if you notice, who went before Goliath? 
his armor bearer, right? So there was a, a two-to-one fight right there from the very beginning. But David, he had the Lord on his side. The Lord went before him into battle. And I'm going to tell you right now that when the Lord goes before us, the battle will always be unfair. No one stands a chance against the Lord. Your giants don't stand a chance. That bully doesn't stand a chance. So notice in verses 48 through 54, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it, struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with the sling and with the stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sherim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. And then David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put the armor in his tent. What a visual this is and what a scene this would have been. David defeated Goliath just as David defeated his giants. You and I can defeat our giants as well, right? But notice our takeaway. Unless you face your giants, you will never get to experience the Lord using you to defeat them. So how do we conquer our giants? The first thing, the most important thing is we have to have faith don't we? Notice in verse 37 again, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Faith is believing and trusting that God will do exactly what God had pro has promised that he will do. We have to have faith that we're going to defeat our Goliaths. We have to have faith believing that God is going to do what he said he would do. We have to use unconventional weapons as well. David brought a rock to a sword fight, didn't he? Man, there's a song I think that Mercy Me sings about that. He faced someone almost double his height and someone that may have weighed a couple hundred pounds more than him. The, weapon we, the weapons we use in this world as believers are different than the weapons the world uses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4-6, through 6, we read, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey it, to obey Christ. We also know that we have the Word of God as our sword. In Hebrews 4:12 we read for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the divisions of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In, in addition to the word of God being our weapon, we are able to invoke the name of Jesus as our weapon as well. And the final thing that we must do is we must go to the battle as believers in the Lord, we must recognize that we are in a battle. We are not to take a defensive posture, but an offensive one, right? What did Jesus tell us to do before he ascended to take his rightful seat next to God the Father? He said, go, didn't he? 
If you and I want to be victorious as believers in the battle of life, then we must have faith, we must use unconventional godly weapons, and we must go into the battle. But before we can go, we must come to faith in Jesus. If you're here this morning, you do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you this morning during this time of invitation to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and if there's a decision you need to make, I want to invite you to come. Father God, we come before you this morning. Father, recognizing that every single day, and sometimes every single moment of every day, there is a Goliath or giants that loom large in our lives. Sometimes those giants can suffocate the life right out of us. And Father, when we allow those giants to get a foothold in our lives, we are going to have a defeatist attitude. But Father, we know that you have called us in your word to depend on you, to place our faith and trust in you, and to have an offensive posture in life, to face those giants head on with you going before us, not us going before you, but you going before us. So, Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will help us in the battle of life to always place you first, to always rely upon you to defeat those giants. And, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will stop living in fear of our giants but depend upon you in all situations. Father, I pray this morning that there's someone in this room that does not have a relationship with you, that today will be the day of their salvation. Father, move now during this time of invitation. First in Jesus' name we pray, amen.